Welcome to our mindfulness podcast. Each week or so, we will have a different podcast, different speakers, different chants, different Dharma talks. But mindfulness practice in Buddhism helps us focus and helps us be aware. And this program will consist of many different ways of meditating. We usually begin with bowing or gasho, then we prepare to sit, and we will sit for approximately 10 minutes. And then we will either stand and walk for another five minutes to kind of get blood into our legs again and and, uh, relax our muscles. And then we'll sit for another 10 approximately. And then we will chant, which is another form of meditation. Uh, We focus on the characters and we pronounce the sounds as a group. And it's a kind of a ritual of oneness. And then after that, we'll have a short Dharma talk of about five to 10 minutes. And then we'll close with Gasho. And this also includes offering incense. We offer incense, but you could also light the incense before the service starts. And this is kind of the program uh, of how our meditation services proceed. And so we will be getting underway today uh, with our program. Thank you very much. We will begin with sitting meditation. Find yourself a comfortable place to sit, either in a chair or on the floor. On the floor, you may prefer to sit on a cushion with your legs crossed or folded beneath you. On a chair, sit without leaning back with your feet planted evenly and comfortably on the floor. Sit comfortably erect with shoulders back and your spine straight. Rock back and forth and then side to side to find your center. Your head should also be straight with your eyelids lowered but not closed. Focus on a point a few feet in front of you. Your face should be relaxed as you breathe quietly. Hands can be placed in several positions. In the classic mode, rest your left hand in your right hand, with thumbs touching and comfortably laid against your abdomen. Or you can touch thumbs and forefingers together and rest them on your thighs with palms up. Another option may be to fold your hands on top of each other on your lap. The key is to find a position that is comfortable and that can be maintained in stillness during the meditation session. While sitting, try focusing on your breath, counting them to 10. Breathe in, one. Breathe out, two. Breathe in, three, and so forth. You may find distractions such as the sounds around you or your own thoughts. If that happens, observe them, acknowledge them, and then let them go. Begin counting your breaths again from one. We will begin and end each session at the sound of a bell. At the end of this first session, you will be asked to place your hands together in gasho and bow. Gasho means putting your hands together and bowing in an expression of gratitude. You may choose to intone the words Namo Amidabutsu as you gasho. We will begin our first seated meditation session at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amidabutsu, Namo Amidabutsu, Namo Amidabutsu, Namo Amidabutsu, Namo Amidabutsu. Take a moment to stretch your legs, and we will have standing meditation. The feet should be about shoulder width apart, with the knees bent slightly. Upper body position is the same. Back straight and centered, shoulders relaxed. Eyes half open. Standing in this way is a reminder that we can extend this way of being to our life when we're not engaged in meditation per se. We might be having to wait for someone to arrive or wishing some person would help us. They don't seem to be interested in our problem. Instead of becoming upset and agitated, we can have a moment of standing meditation.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 We will begin our second seated meditation. Please be seated. You can resume your former position. Again, back straight, eyes lowered, hands resting comfortably in your lap, legs crossed or sitting in a chair. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts, Namo Amida Buts. We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters, and each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character, and it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U, and they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlying character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation. Uh, rather than silent meditation, we're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. All right, we're going to chant uh, Jusege on page 39. Jusege is another poem or verse that can be found in the larger sutra. First, you have the Sambutsuge, then you have the 48 vows by the aspiring student claiming and proclaiming his desire to seek Buddhahood. And then after that, Jusege stands for repeated vows. So three of these 48, he considers to be the essence of his practice, and he repeats these three vows. And again, italicized lines are leader lines, open circles are bells, underlines are a beat and a half, and that means the next kanji character or sound is going to get a, a half beat. And we chant down the first column, reading left to right, and then down the second column, reading left to right. And then as we get about two-thirds of the way down the second column, you'll see that line has all underscores on it. Ko, ku, sho, ten, nin, to, u, chin, myo, ke. So we're slowing down. I've mentioned before that the first two bells means we're beginning a chant. And then that single bell there means that we're changing section. And it's a little bit like a train. You start out chanting slow, you speed up, 
and then you come into the station and slow down. And then we do Namo Amidabatsu, as we do on all of our chanting. And then we end with the Ekoku. Dangon Cho Oh.
Please join me in Gosho. Namandats, 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 Namandats. Some of you may have heard of Marie Kondo. She is a Japanese organizing expert who wrote the book The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. It became a massive bestseller when it was translated into English. She became even more famous because of her Netflix show. Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, which became a huge hit. I'm a fan of the show, and it has motivated me to start tidying up my own house. In her books and Netflix show, Kondo explains how to use her method, which she calls Konmari, to tidy up and declutter your home. A hallmark of her approach is to only keep the items that, quote, spark joy, unquote. By that, she means if you hold an item, Does it make you feel happy? If it doesn't, you should thank it and get rid of it. In each episode of Tidying Up, Marie Kondo enters the house of a family that is overwhelmed by its possessions. She teaches them her Konmari method, and we follow their progress afterwards, as, on their own, they sort through, discard, and organize their belongings. When Kondo returns a couple of months later, We can see that not only their homes, but their family relationships and stress levels have improved as a result of the cleanup. I think we can actually gain insight into some important Buddhist ideas from Marie Kondo's philosophy and practice of tidying up. Right now, I'd like to focus on one of them greed. Tidying up shows us that the process of decluttering can give us insight into our greed. Our boundless appetite for more. As you know, greed is one of what we call the three poisons, along with anger and ignorance. In English, the word greed has kind of a negative connotation, but in the Buddhist sense, greed simply means desire or attachment. When we gather together all of our possessions, like the families on tidying up, it brings us face to face with our greed and its consequences. In one episode, a woman had so many clothes that it took four people one hour to collect them all into a gigantic pile. She had so many items, she was unable to use and enjoy them. Many still had price tags on them. As bonbu, or foolish human beings, we are driven by a constant desire for more, more, more. As the people on the show found out, although they felt pleasure in acquiring items, that good feeling was temporary. Having those items didn't bring lasting happiness. When the pleasure inevitably wore off, they got even more stuff so they could feel good again, setting off another cycle of desiring and acquiring. That cycle goes on and on. Eventually, their stuff became such a burden that they called in an expert to get rid of it. And yet, when these families started to declutter their items, they had an incredibly hard time letting go of them. They had formed attachments to their things. It was as if giving up some of their books, or their shoes, or their Christmas ornaments meant they were giving up a piece of themselves. They clung to belongings even though they might not fit, or were broken, or were not needed. That is the problem with greed. It leads to attachments that cause us to cling to things we don't need. 
so our possessions can end up possessing us instead of the other way around. The first noble truth of Buddhism is that life is suffering. It is difficult. We don't get what we want. The second noble truth is that the cause of suffering is desire, which includes greed or craving. In Buddhism, we don't consider greed a sin or something evil. Wanting things doesn't make you a bad person. It's just a part of being human. Instead, we might want to think of greed as being unhelpful rather than bad. It is unhelpful because it keeps us from seeing things clearly. And when we don't see things as they really are, we suffer. The families on tidying up felt overwhelmed by their possessions. It took a mental and physical toll on them. Spouses fought over closet space. One wife said she was obsessed with clothes and suggested it was a way of getting back at her husband. Children said they felt stressed and unhappy. A man constantly nagged his wife about all the things she refused to get rid of. A woman whose family had too many belongings in their small apartment described how she felt like a failure as a mother. When, with the help of Marie Kondo, they took a good long look at their belongings and themselves, the blinders came off. They could finally see that their material possessions did not really make them happy, but in fact caused them suffering. When they got rid of the things that did not genuinely spark joy and make them happy, you could see that they were calmer, kinder to each other, and less stressed. Decluttering can be a mirror that shows us our greed. We can't totally eliminate our greed, but by looking for it in ourselves and recognizing it when it appears, we can shine a light of awareness on it. We can pause, ask ourselves, what am I doing? And stop. We can reduce the unnecessary suffering in our lives caused by greed. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namo Amida Butsu. Namanda Buts. Namanda Buts. Namanda Buts. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This program is copyright 2021 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved.